You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 130 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarden, live from New York City. And tonight, I am alone. <laughs> That's right. Um... Full disclosure, uh, it is like super late at night. Um, everyone was extra bummed about this one. We were gonna just hold off till Monday, um, do our usual weekly thing. Um, we all know how this one went. I'm not gonna do the whole spoiler thing. This was a tough result. Uh, losing to Rio Ave uh, on penalties. Uh, the toughest way to go out. Anyway, everyone was was not feeling it this, this tonight. Um, just bummed, and fair enough. We were gonna hold off and just do uh, our usual weekly, you know, thing next Monday. But I thought about it, and um, you know, you gotta get these ones out of the way. Uh, these episodes are extra weird. It's like I'm talking to myself. <clears throat> you know, for however long this goes. Hopefully I can keep this one short. That's the goal always, around 30, 35 minutes or so. Uh, we can never do it, because there's always so much to talk about. But maybe alone I can finally do it here. But um, yeah, you know, it's always weird doing these things alone, not having anyone to sort of bounce things off of. You feel like you're talking to yourself. But I'll imagine those listeners that even tune into the uh, to the losses to the duds, uh, and yeah, talking to you folks out there, um, yeah, so obviously, look, Rio Ave was uh, weak opposition, sixth place in the Portu Portuguese Superliga, um, not by any uh, stretch could they be referred to as um, a big team, you know, you could, there were certainly minnows in, in the sense of European competition. This will go down as a huge result for them, uh, historically, I would imagine. And so congratulations to them, I guess, you know, we should probably get that out of the way, right? But for us, yeah, this was absolutely a, a nightmare. And I don't know why I'm personally so affected by this one. You know, I, I, back when, when Khan and I were always talking about these things, I would say that uh, we would both say that, you know, since we've had, had kids and um, kind of moved on to later stages in our lives, we, we don't get so personally affected by results. But this was a tough one. I think most will agree. And I don't know why. You know, the, on the one hand, we know the team's weak and in a sense, weakened, right? Financially, talent-wise. Uh, we also know there are sort of big holes already being filled. And so there's going to be some bit of good news at the end of this. Um, 
but yeah, you know, we, we know very much about how expectations should be tampered and how uh, there's not a lot to sort of get that excited about this season, except if you're, if you're into the kind of concept of building uh, and setting a foundation for something going forward, which for me personally is a fun process. Um, but yeah, uh, even still, somehow this one hurts. And I think when we, you know, as we've watched this team come together, I think we'd, we've, we've hoped certain guys could step it, step it up and uh, fill in certain positions. And so far, they've actually managed to do so. We didn't get this last result against Antalya Spor uh, in, the, in the last weekend leading into this match against Rio Ava. And, um, but still, you know, it seemed like we were building a, a ethos, an ethos for the team, a kind of concept going forward that we were building around that could be positive. Uh, and that if we could slide in a few guys and, a few, and you know, obviously striker right back being the kind of major holes, uh, that, that we could be poised to maybe have a successful season. And a part of any successful season is having a little fun in Europe, right? So it stung, obviously, to be bumped out of Europe, but I think especially so early to not have a chance to flex and uh, build this team uh, and see where it can go in Europe since last year was a bit of a failure. Obviously, you'd like to have seen Sergan get a crack at things and maybe uh, some unlikely success, you know, and, and nothing crazy, maybe just breaking through the group stages, um, quarterfinals, ooh, you know. But alas, that is not to be, uh, and you feel for Sergan Yalchin, of course, who couldn't coach. Uh, Murat Shahin was on the bench again. Uh, Sergey Yeltsin has been cleared of the coronavirus. I think we mentioned that in the last episode, but still could not be on the bench for this match. Uh, and he might be happy in the end. I don't know what his role was in making certain decisions, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about them. I'll talk about them here. Um, yeah, in the name of full disclosure, I'm gonna have a beer uh, uh, all alone here. You know, might help get the Juice is flowing a bit since I don't have anyone to talk to. Um, still imagine you guys listening out there. Uh, our numbers are never particularly good after uh, tough losses. I think people don't really like to relive those experiences. But so, you know, once again, this one's for you as I tip my cup. Uh, give a cheers to you folks out there. Tonight was is going to be a rough one for all of us, I think, wherever we are. But so, let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about what will go down as a very forgettable match, um, or one we'd like to forget, although I don't know if we'll be able to, right, in the long run, because this is the type of match that uh, you get ridiculed for, probably. Uh, now, of course, our rivals have plenty of their own, Ostersons and the like, but um, this will probably go down as one of those for us. But so yeah, let's first of all talk about the lineup, and I think you have to do that in this match because there were some questionable decisions made right off the bat, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I mean we'll, we'll talk about it. 
So in the goal, first of all, was Utku Yuvakuran. And, you know, the podcast has gone on the record as being very against him. And I must say he's overperformed expectations by and large. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that afterwards or whatever, as far as his performance in this match went. Um, he played decently for us in the Land of Legends friendly series because Erson was away on foreign duty and I think on the one hand coming from Shenol Gunesh we can all appreciate some actual rotation here um, mixing things up you'd want us to have the confidence that we could beat a club like Rio Ave uh, with some B team at the very least just because of who we should be relative to them um, elsewhere in the lineup you had on the left side of the midfield Ridvan Yilmaz um, we had a debut for Francisco Montero, uh, which is exciting. I think a lot of us were excited to see what he could do. Next to him was Wellington, uh, a player who many of us are um, apprehensive about, I think we could say. Right? He's shown himself to be error-prone as far as committing dangerous fouls and getting cards. But at the same time, against Antalya, I think we noted that he looked like he was stabilizing a bit and again um yeah with some rotation at work right vita was getting the night off uh fine whatever um on the right side of our defense again we would see nejib um, who having uh, assisted very nicely the goal for laren in the match against antalya uh sort of it has earned at that that position at least for now unless uh, or i should say until we get that right back replacement hopefully that happens uh the center of the midfield saw some interesting changes so atiba was out in his stead we saw dorukan and ozan in the center of the midfield with adem liayic in his familiar number 10 role uh, Tyler Boyd played on the left side of the midfield, on the left wing, with Jermaine Lenz on the right side. And up front was Guven Yalchin, which is pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast or if we've really made note of it anyway, but thus far, Kyle Laren had gotten all the starts up front where he could, uh, with, and Umut Nair had seemed to sort of usurp that number two role from Guven Yalchin. It was interesting to see him suddenly uh, inserted into the lineup for this match. Uh, pretty big match, all things considered. <clears throat> but obviously, uh, again, rotation is a good thing. Again, I just don't know if these were the pieces that needed rotating, especially uh, goalkeeper, striker, you know. Um, we're already weak at the position. I think you want to establish Kyle Aaron, I guess, but then I don't know. Again, he'd come into this match and uh, not stand out as playing particularly well. So, yeah, still there's a massive hole there. Uh, but, yeah, so let's talk about this thing. Um, but So, yeah, with that interesting lineup, uh, uh, all things said, we step out there and it's what you'd hope for, right? You'd, you'd hope that even your B team could uh, be very competitive, if not uh, better, if not significantly better than a club like Rio Ave. Um, certainly when you look at the, the relative team values, the salaries between the two clubs and all that, 
you'd, you'd expect Special Touch to still be able to handle them uh, pretty pretty safely. Um, and sure enough, the, ga the game would start with Besiktas taking the, the game right to Leo Ava. In fact, actually, I think Leo Ava got the first sort of mini chance. It didn't really amount to anything. Immediately, our defense established itself as being formidable. Montero, yeah, he looked solid, uh, to be honest, right off the bat. And even uh, Wellington, to begin with, actually came out looking pretty good as well. Our side had a lot of energy. And sure enough, Tyler Boyd, who came off of a really solid performance in our last match against Antalya Sport, as we mentioned, came out and looked really good again. And in the 14th minute, bringing the ball up the left side aggressively, he would reverse play brilliantly, flipping the ball cross pitch to Nejip, who come on the other end of it, and then send in a pinpoint perfect cross to... Guven Yalchin's head, and he would put it away fairly easily, uh, you know, given to him on a platter, in all um, fairness. Uh, but so yeah, all the credit there goes to Nejip and, and Tyler Boyd, for that matter. And right off the bat, 14th minute, we've got a goal. We're looking dominant. Things are looking good for Besiktas. Um, I think officially they've marked it as the 15th minute. Perhaps uh, as a bad omen in the 19th minute Ozan would get himself a yellow card uh, whether it was deserved was arguable but it happened nonetheless in the 33rd minute um, Guven Yalcin would slide the ball on brilliantly for Dorukan who'd get a pretty decent shot on goal it would be saved onto the post uh, and that's what would prevent us from taking the 2-0 lead there. Uh, they say it's a game of inches, and indeed, that would prove to be true in the case of this moment of the match. Uh, one of many where things could have been very different for us. Yeah, and then from there, there'd be a big lull. And I think Besiktas would, by and large, have most of the ball for much of that first half. Uh, and probably also... Um, much of the beginning of the second half, although you could tell things had turned a little bit. Uh, we, at, at first it seemed mental. Uh, we, we took a defensive approach, settled in, we're, let, we're willing to let them hold the ball in our end of the pitch for stretches, which was not happening in the first half. That started happening clearly around the 60th or so minute. Um, Guven Yeltsin would come out of the match uh, for Kyle Laren in the 64th minute. A substitute, a substitution you could tell was very needed despite Guven's goal. And, and a few moments of sort of flash and exciting sort of uh, touches and whatnot. But for, for the most part, he was not weighing on the defense. He was uh, weak on the ball, giving away poor passes, bad touches. Uh, all in all, it was not a very good performance for Guven Yelchin. I think we, most people recognized he needed to come out. Um, Kyle Laren has imposed himself physically in a number of matches. Uh, he, he's shown to be lacking technically, or I should say he had shown to be lacking technically already in, in, uh, against Antalya. But I think by and large, I think many of us expected this substitution and weren't very disappointed by it. In the 72nd minute, there'd be a moment that would be kind, be, uh, that would be kind of foretelling, I think, and it would be the, the first of 
a few chances of theirs that would actually start to look dangerous. And it was a, a no call, I think, that signaled the beginning of this foray of theirs. Um, and it was an egregious, egregiously sort of bad flap in the box, actually. It was a good no call. Uh, they, they, I think it was that Bruno Moreira fellow who uh, did a sort of bad flap. He wasn't given a yellow card though, it was uh, his teammate Tarantini who was for sort of yelling about the no call, which was even more absurd given how clearly, how clearly floppy that was. But still, nothing crazy happening. 72nd minute Adem Lijic would come out of the match for Bernard Mensa. Uh, many would approve of this, I would imagine. Uh, Adem Lijic was clearly lacking form in this match. Uh, this was his first start for this for us this year. Um, and uh, his first 70 so minutes, wait, came out in the 72nd. So. Um, and so yeah, he was, you know, not in the flow of this match uh, for, for any of it really. Um, and you could tell maybe lacking kind of the rapport with the team, having not played with it much so far this year. Uh, you hope he gets a little more time and that's not the end of it for him. Uh, but on the other hand, if we sell him or whatever, who knows, maybe there's a design, a method to this madness. Um, next up, 84th minute. Yeah, this was bad. Uh, in the 84th minute, Tyler Boyd would come out of the match for Gokan Toure. That wasn't bad, in fact. Um, to be expected, I, I would have personally taken out Lenz, who had been playing poorly uh, for most of the match. Uh, in the same way that you could say Lijic was maybe even more egregiously bad. I think Lijic was clearly just lacking that sort of match fitness, whereas Germain Lenz just seemed kind of lackadaisical, <laughs> which is never good, especially in a pretty big match like this. Um, but yeah, so Lenz would stay out there, and instead it would be Tyler Board coming out who again, I think, had a pretty good match out there. Uh, and Gokan Tore would come in. That was exciting a lot for a lot of us to debut. But just in the next minute, in the 85th, <clears throat> um, Mane, their guy, would send a nice cross in. Bruno Moreira, their striker, got his head onto it. He did a pretty good job of uh, getting it into the back of the net with his head from a bit of distance, actually. Uh, touched classy header, but uh, he beat our guys to it. Um, not a lot to be said, except that probably that cross should have been closed down on. Ridvan um, Yilmaz, I mean, it was sort of between where Ridvan Yilmaz might run up and charge it out and where a uh, central midfielder might. In that case, I think it would have been Ozan. Uh, it would be, uh, it was Lijic who had come out of the match to that point in the, in the center of our midfield. So yeah, no no change in the back of the midfield there. So perhaps Ozan, oh, so somewhere between Ozan and Lidvan Yomas did not uh, get up on Mane, who was allowed to make a nice cross into the box. And once that happens, you know, anything can happen. But so there you have it, 85th minute, our one nil lead that we'd been holding on to, it was gone in a flash. Um, 89th minute, Gokan Tore and Bernard Mensa, who established a nice little rapport there for a bit. Um, Gokan Tore slid the ball on for Mensa really nicely along the right side. Mensa 
Hey, I made a nice move. Sent the ball in. Saved again off the post. Another opportunity of ours where we could have really um, closed the, the book there. It was the 89th minute. Um, yeah, and again, nothing happened. Nejib would get a yellow card in the 98th minute. Something that is probably the least surprising thing of all. Uh, in the 101st minute, Aydin Hasic would enter the match for Jeremy Lenz. A move I don't think anybody would be disappointed about. I think Aydin Hasic is a guy we all hope could come into a game and maybe impact it. Um, for him, this was a big debut though, right? In Europe and all. So, um, yeah, he would enter the game. Not a lot would happen in, in the 111th minute. Kyle Lahren would steal the ball of a defender uh, on a sloppy back pass, holding off his defender moderately well. Uh, and the last minute, instead of going for it, he would try to cross it in to uh, a teammate, and instead it would be chipped out, uh, hit out by the defender, out of bounds. And uh, nothing would come of it besides a corner kick, which, again, nothing would come of in the 114th minute. Uh, we'd have a corner, a free kick, a little ways outside of the box, in a pretty decent position. Gokhan Tore and Bernard Mensa would sort of uh, set up for it, and in a slick moment, instead of taking a shot, he, they pass it on. Nejip gets on the other end of it, is pushed down in the box, whistles blown. Are we getting the penalty we so desperately think we deserve? But although, but, but realistically, maybe didn't. No. In fact, what happened was. The ref had not blown his whistle, and so calls back the free kick. So nothing comes of it except for a yellow card for Kyle Lehrer, who I guess was a little too physical in all the, the jostling after the kick. Um, 118th minute, <clears throat> again, Bernard Mensa and Torre, this time the other way around. Bernard Mensa would slide one on for Gokhan Torre, who would take it up the pitch along the right side, end up with a pretty decent position, uh, and he'd sky his shot. Uh, and so nothing coming of it again. Another wasted opportunity. Bernard Mensa uh, got himself a yellow card. Uh, also, by the way, sorry, I missed that in the uh, free kick fiasco there, perhaps for taking the kick without um, waiting for the whistle. Anyway, that's how it would end, except no, in the th third minute of extra time of extra time, 123rd minute. Uh, Mane would get a crazy lucky bounce uh, where he was just slid perfectly into position. He'd get a nice attempt on goal across, mouth, across the mouth of it. And Utku would come up with a brilliant save, actually. Um, and so that right before the game goes to penalties, you might think would be a good omen, um, Utku perhaps gaining a bit of confidence just in the nick of time. But alas, that is not the case. Uh, Bernard Mensa scored on the first penalty and Gokhan Tore on the second as well scored. Uh, and so things were looking pretty good, two good penalties as well. But for some reason that somebody will have to explain, and maybe it's already been done if anyone's following over there. Uh, but for some reason, Wellington would step up and take the next penalty and his penalty was just terrible. He'd sky it. Uh, he would sky it in uh, a fashion that would suggest that he has no business taking penalty kicks. 
uh, and would really put into question that decision to, to give him that, uh, that kick as well. Again, he's been prone to errors for us thus far uh, in his tenure with us, and he didn't show much of it with us on defense in these last few matches, but certainly here he did enough to disappoint everyone. And then to cap things off, the next penalty would be Kyle Lahren, and he, his penalty would be weak and near the keeper, a very easy save. And uh, the, the next penalty would be put away by Rio Ave, and they would win it 5-3 to three, uh, with penalties and goals included. Um, and so that's how Rio Ave is moving on to face AC Milan in their now historic Europa League run. Well, we are left to question what on earth is going on and how we've got here. Um, I think we all know finances, the economy in Turkey, poor management, um, a, a weird transfer window on the one hand, scheduling wise with the coronavirus and everything, uh, as well as, and I think this is important to note, a bad transfer window functionally as far as people not being in position yet. We still clearly were very much lacking the striker that we need to be successful. Um, and it was glaring, you know. Thus far, Kyle Aaron had kind of, in a patchwork way, proven to maybe be of use. Maybe he could fill in in a pinch, but uh, today was an example of where you, you, you can't rely on him clearly as, as your first option. And the family man would disappoint, not playing particularly well, skewing a few chances that may have gone better. Really, I don't think it comes down to him, this one, obviously. But yeah, all in all, it's a terrible performance. Um, just considering that we should have, you know, built on a very solid first half and instead just completely collapsed. First mentally and then physically, you could see fatigue set in <clears throat> of note. We had a very young side out there, and I think it was very clear that this was their first experience in Europe. And significantly in this scenario, what that, where that really bit us is I think uh, there was a period where we had this 1-0 lead and we're just holding the ball and looking much better. And it seemed like a number of guys, and not even necessarily young guys, R.E., Rydvan Yilmaz, etc., right? But even young guys, as far as experience in Europe and experience with bigger teams and in these scenarios where you're in a tournament, uh, a knockout tournament even at, at this stage. Um, you know, and it was like, we're the bigger side, we're playing much better, so these guys are going to have to just roll over and accept that we're moving on here, right? Uh, and what they don't realize is, in a tournament of this nature, with someone's back against the wall, with extinction on the brink, uh, they're gonna fight with tooth and nail. They're gonna give everything they've got. Why not, right? If if they're if they're into it, right? And if they if they feel like they can do it, and when they're only down a goal, uh, even if they could have been down four goals, uh, they're gonna go all in. And I think that is where these young guys clearly did not have experience and could not anticipate that or, or uh, react to it. But it's also, I think, in, if we're trying to find a silver lining, it's where um, it's, this was valuable experience for guys like Aydin Hasic and Ridvan Yilmaz, and I guess Utku, I, I would have much rather it been Ersin 
And I wonder if he could have been more uh, influential on the penalty kicks as well, since they had not a one saved. Uh, although, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Penalties. This is the football. But, yeah, I mean, nobody can be happy with the result. Uh, but clearly a lot of guys got experience. Mensa as well, I guess. Uh, you know, playing in um, knockout tournament European competition. Um, and so hopefully they build on this and, and put together a good season. And next year, uh, you know, they'll be in the position where they, where they can put something together a bit more successful than this. And, and hopefully we'll have already guys in some of those key positions that we're lacking here today um, who can be helping right off the bat. This, the, you know, the holes in our team were so glaring against Rio Ave, and especially up front, uh, as I've already said. Now, I'll do this. Uh, what I'll do is briefly talk about stats, and I'm going to put a sort of huge grain of salt alongside these stats insofar as um, the stats aren't coming in via Google. Nothing official has really come in. Uh, what I do have is footystats.org. I don't know how solid that is, but what they've got is not a good story. And what they've got is Rio Ava having 62% of this match's possession to our 38. They had nine shots, both of us having five on target. We had five corners to their two. Uh, we committed 15 fouls to their 10. They were offsides twice to our once. <clears throat> so... The tale of the tape here, I think, would suggest, A, that on the one hand, they were down for much of this match from the 14th minute until they scored in the 85th. So, of course, they'd lead in possession. That makes sense, especially because in the second half, they really got it together and held the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if in the first half, we may have even led in possession, or at least it was much better for us in that regard. But um, in the end, yeah, they really held the ball. We probably had more of the ball in extra time, uh, although it really kind of broke even at that point. You know, anything can happen. Everyone's tired. But yeah, I mean, I think we still probably looked like overall the better side between the two, um, if you're like objectively speaking. But at the same time, you can't say they didn't deserve to win the match because um, they showed more desire to score. They were more ruthless and effective. Um, and yeah, I mean, they had more shots on goal. I mean, at the end of the day, five five on target each. And, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm inclined to say that we were the better side and, and should have won it in a vacuum. But on the other hand, I, I you got to give it to them. They, they wanted it more, and they did what they had to do to win it. Uh, 85th minute equalizer, right? Like, we, we almost held out the sort of bend but not break logic. Almost works, but I, I'm never happy about adopting it and I think we could have stayed aggressive and, and on the ball and, and pushed for that second goal. We certainly should have gotten that second goal hitting the post twice off of saves. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't to be. We are out of Europe. Besiktas is out of Europe. Uh, but so let's talk about our, our performances. Uh, on the back of the line, I thought Montero was fantastic. Fatigue set in towards the end as you'd expect. Uh, but playing bend but not break tends to put more pressure on the defense. Um, they're holding the ball in that area. They were crossing it in. Our guys had to jump up and down a lot. 
clearing balls off, off of our back line and all that. Uh, and they, they did pretty well. And Montero was solid. Wellington defensively also solid for the first half. Second half, not so much. Uh, it's a little bit more sloppy. And then sure enough, uh, with that missed penalty, that might be what we remember of Wellington most for this match. Uh, unfairly, perhaps. Again, defensively, he, he did all right. Ozan, on the other hand, was probably the only example of a real ghost today. And that's scary because I think that's a big criticism we've had of him in years past. We'd hoped he'd sort of turn the corner and come back to the old Ozan, but it didn't look like it in this match. A pretty bad outing from him, honestly. A couple attempts on goal that were weak. Um, I mean, he showed the intent, though. I think it could still come back. We'll see. I'm, 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 I think he's fine as a backup, to be honest. Um, the, the key is that he's, he is, in fact, the backup. And I think with Joseph and Dorokan and Atiba and Mensa also, you know, I think we, we have a lot of reasons to believe that Ozan is very likely to be the backup. Speaking of Mensa, he got enough time as a substitute to probably have his, his performance looked at a little bit. Um, he was, eh, you know, I, this was one of his weaker performances, I'll be honest. And I think that's also in part because we had a great first half, slipped up a little bit in the second half, and then brought our t more talented guys in vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Kyle Aaron relative to Guven Yelchin, in theory, and Bernard Mensa relative to, at least, I mean, I, I don't know if he's better than Lijic, but, um, you know, at the, at the very least, he seems to be more comfortable out there now. Um, and, uh, and by which I mean Mensa, you know, he's been more brought into the team. He's played more with the squad thus far this season. So uh, you would have wanted these guys to have come in and brought in a steadying presence. And instead, it actually fell apart even more so with them attacking us and us not really closing down as aggressively as we could have or should have. Uh, and ultimately enabling that 85th minute goal that, that equalized and brought us into extra time and penalties and everything else that came with it. Gokan Tore, on the other hand, played very well and immediately established a very nice rapport with Bernard Mensa. And so I think we can all comfortably say we hope to see more of that. And yeah, we'll see, we'll see about that. I mean, Gokan Tore is a guy you don't want to overplay. You want to keep him fit, keep him away from injuries. So uh, I don't know if we're going to see him again this coming weekend, but we might since he just came in as a sub in this match. We'll see. Up front, no answers, honestly. Guven Yalcin scored a goal much like Kyle Laren did against Antalya in that uh, it was really just perfectly queued up by Nedjib. <laughs> uh, and there wasn't a lot to be done as far as the finish. Uh, and so nothing, neither, no striker has yet to really uh, take a game and been like, you know, this, this guy is who needs to play all the time. I mean, still Kyle Laren is probably the best of the three guys we have currently. And I think that probably leads us to our final news item here. Uh, which is the only real exciting thing there is to talk about at the moment. And that is, that at the moment, it would appear that we have a new striker. Uh, a new, new number one striker, anyway. We, we may very well still have Kyle Lahren in as our backup. And I'll say a word about that in a moment. But I think what first needs to be said is that the striker who we have brought in to this squad to hopefully save us is none other than Vincent Abubakar, who 
uh, we maybe looked away from for a moment as we were potentially signing Nikola Kalinic instead. Uh, but somehow that didn't come to fruition. Kalinic asked for too much money. It dragged on. And in the end, Abubakar started getting impatient, may have looked towards Bashakshi here for a contract. And I think we swooped in and said, no, 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 you know what? Screw this. We're getting this man. And so it is. We've flown him in. He's come into Turkey with his Birakmam Senate t-shirt and uh, a Besiktas face mask, no less. So it very much seems that Vincent Abubakar is a Besiktas player. Now we're waiting for news officially. He was supposed to go through a thorough medical examination uh, today. And by today, I mean the same day as our big match against Leo Ave. But uh, yeah, that has not come in officially. At the same time, I think if he had not passed his medical, we would have very likely already heard about it and he'd be gone. So I think we can announce that Vincent Ububukar is a Besiktas player. Again, the Birak Mahamsani t-shirt is very typically a good sign. Uh, but so yeah, that, that that's it. We have a striker. Now the, the the kind of interesting news is there's talk of us maybe getting another striker, and I think that would presuppose us selling Kyle Laren. Um, there was talk of like Leeds potentially having interest in Kyle Laren at some point. I don't know where that went. Uh, I think there was a, another Belgian side that may have been looking at him for a moment, but. Um, after this last match, you know, as much as I'd love for the family man to kind of turn it around and uh, make a name for himself with Besiktas, it may not be on the cards, honestly. Uh, at the very least, fans are going to be on him as per usual after a bad performance in a key match. So where does that leave us? It means that if he goes, we could probably still be bringing in and the, the list, having taken Abubakar off it and onto our team list uh, means that Kalinch is still out there as an option um, and supposedly, I guess, theoretically still the first option. Um, I don't know. I doubt Balotelli is, uh, but, you know, he could theoretically still be out there for it. Papi Sise uh, is, is, is also still available as a free agent. He's uh, still not signed with anyone. And then uh, Koita as well from Kasim Pasha, uh, is is probably still out in the, on the cards for us, I would imagine. Um, Zay Luis, uh, I believe, may be signing with Fener. I'm okay with it. I mean, here, here, I'll leave you with my parting thoughts on Vincent Obubakar. Because I think a lot of people are are not allowing themselves to get excited about it or be happy by it. Because, like, look, in a vacuum, we can all agree that we wish we were in a position where we were getting a better player at, at this time. And not talent-wise, I think we all know Abubakar is a phenomenal talent when he's fit and uh, in form and all that, getting playing time. The question, of course, is his injury past and the, the chronic injuries that he's been suffering for the last few years. Last season, he played 180 minutes of real competitive football. So uh, I don't know about action with the B team. Hopefully he got a little more. But still, uh, you know, that's not ideal, of course. But on the other hand, he's a man who was worth like 30 million just a few years ago. And by a few, I should say even two years ago, three years ago. And the only reason his value has declined to the point where we could get him for free. And the, the 
Rumors are that we're signing him on a one plus one year contract again, or maybe there's a two plus one contract. I mean, the fact of the matter is he's 28, so we could still get a good year or two out of him. He'd still only then be turning 30, and we could sell him for a decent penny. And I think if he can stay healthy for two years and perform well, there's no reason why we couldn't flip him for pretty decent money at around 30. So, to people saying that the odds of him staying healthy are maybe not so good, I would counter that. And I, I think people following, following me on Twitter will uh, have already heard this one. So I apologize to you folks. But um, I, I, I think we can agree that the odds of, of Abubakar staying healthy are probably better than the odds of Nikola Kalinic or Zay Luis finally having this big breakout season up front scoring goals that they have not yet had in some time and I think Kalinic hasn't had it since he was playing in his home country years ago. Zay Luis never really been prolific up front. So yeah, Abubakar, we know he can get it done if he's given his chance and he can stay healthy and so that's the goal. Uh, Evron talked a bit about his ability to stay healthy last week and the fact that he's stayed healthy beyond sort of window that you have to be on call. Um, but so, you know, from a, from a superficial level, looking from afar, I think we can all agree that this might, uh, well, no, we can't all agree, I guess, but I, I personally really feel that this, this might be, have been the best move available considering uh, the, the guys out there. Koita uh, is another guy who I think the odds of Abubakar staying healthy are probably better than him having a big breakout year. I don't see why anyone would expect it. Um, he's never had scored more than 12 goals in a competitive season up front. So, you know, and he's 29, Koita, as well. He's older than Abubakar. So, look, uh, if we're replacing Kyle Aaron and bringing in another guy for insurance, that's fine. I'm, I'm down with it, I guess. I'd much rather we focus on getting a right back. I think that's a glaring hole. Nejip. Kudos to him for playing fairly well in a couple games here, but we can't count on it. And uh, DeAndre Yedlin, David Santon, whoever it is, let's let's make it happen. Uh, and and as far as freeing up a, another foreign spot with uh, Isimat Milan potentially finding a place to go in Qatar, and Douglas also potentially finding a place. I don't know about the source on the ladder, but um, Isimat Milan, that, that was an Ortachizgi uh, Uzel, so that might be legit. Uh, he might really be going to Qatar. Uh, but so with, it, with those two guys off the roster, that leaves us with one foreign spot, and Abubakar takes it. Now, to get a foreign right back, we have to take another guy off the roster who's a foreigner. My first option here is, is 100% Jeremiah Lenz. The question is, who takes that salary? What's his interest in going somewhere else when he very likely can't get paid half of what he's making for us right now? He's got a huge salary. Um, so that's going to be a challenge, getting him off the books. If not him, um, I, don't, I don't really know what else there is out there. There, there are a number of options, I'd imagine. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that... We need a right back. Uh, and Fener getting Nazim Sangare hurts uh, in this sense, right? Where that was the, the kind of easy Turkish option that would be of a quality high enough to probably take that starting role. Um, now we very likely need to get a foreigner to do that. So it's going to be a challenge. It's 
definitely going to be a challenge. Um, but there it is. My solo episode comes to a close. My watch has ended. I think we can all agree that we would have hoped for better from our boys. But alas, here we are. Uh, as I've said again, uh, it just wasn't to be this year. And you know what? In a sense, I suppose. And I don't want to, to make this okay. This is not okay. This is, this is a pretty dark day, to be honest. But uh, at the end of the day... There's no doubt in my mind that we were probably not going to win the Europa League this year with the, the, the talent we have. Uh, it'd be nice to see this team get, you know, Abubakar into the squad and a good right back. And then who knows, maybe maybe we're at a point where we could have competed later on in the year. But uh, lots of ifs. And in a 40-game Super League with the Domestic Cup, perhaps the silver lining is we'll be better prepared for that and, and more... Uh, match fit and everything so we're gonna have to try to find positives like that for a while um, and uh, yeah anyway <laughs> follow us on Twitter uh, at Eagles underscore podcast follow the mothership for all the latest news as far as whether we're going to get another striker or right back whatever's going on at Beshiktas underscore INT to follow Beshiktas international uh we got a bunch of guys working on that around the clock as always um follow us on instagram black eagles podcast one word no spaces no silliness no must no fuss uh follow myself at sir underscore rights underscore a lot on twitter uh yeah stay in touch with us let us know how you feel about the podcast or leave a note about how you feel about the latest match we played in we'll we can always reinvestigate opening the uh, hashtag after the beep segment where you listeners leave notes about what you're feeling. Uh, so if you if you want to, please get a hold of us. We'll gladly toss you on the back end of, of any episode. Uh, but until then, stay tuned. Our next match is, um, I guess every match is a big one, that right, these days. Uh, but our next match is against Konya Spore, and we're going to be playing on Sunday. Uh, tough time. So Sunday, the 27th of September, and it's going to be 9 a.m. here on the eastern seaboard of the United States of America, which I believe means a late afternoon game in Turkey, 4 p.m. or so, uh, 3 or 2 p.m. in Central Europe. So yeah, as always, check your local listing. Never take my word on anything. Uh, but yeah, Stay tuned. As always, we'll be back on Monday to talk about uh, the, the match against Konya Sport, which is going to be on the road in Konya, although without fans, who cares? Uh, and yeah, everyone will be back. Fear not. Uh, and uh, yeah, of course, it's very important that I stay. Go Bessington!
Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.